0: Yeah, man. Happy Palm Sunday, Bridge. How are we doing, guys? Can can I just be honest with you right up front? I'm going to be whether you say yes or not, but it's just nice to ask. Uh, Something's been troubling me for a number of years now, and, and that is that it seems like Palm Sunday has become the neglected stepsister of Easter. Do you ever feel that way? It's kind of like Easter's coming, Easter's coming. Oh, yeah, it's Palm Sunday. It's, you know, but hear me, guys. Today is one of the highest days in the entire Christian calendar. It's one of the most important days in our lives as followers of Jesus Christ. It is not an afterthought. It is the point of the whole deal. Hear me. Our hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. Can we give it up for Jesus this morning? Come on. <clears throat> Now, don't misunderstand me. Don't misunderstand me. I love Resurrection Sunday. Can't wait for next week. Easter is going to be awesome. But you can't have a resurrection unless there's been a crucifixion. We might could just camp out there the whole morning. What do you think? That's not just talking about Jesus. That's talking about us. You can't have a resurrection until there's been a crucifixion. And so somebody has to go to the cross. So in terms of how we worship here at the bridge... On Palm Sunday, we're we're talking mostly to believers. We're talking mostly to those of you that are followers of Jesus Christ, and you've discovered what it means to have a fresh start and new life in Him, and we've come together specifically to honor our Lord Jesus Christ and what He did for us And to trace his steps, to kind of walk through that last week between Palm Sunday and Resurrection Sunday, we're going to honor his sacrifice today. And then I see Easter Sunday as more about new life, fresh starts. And that's why we've been praying for weeks now that 50 people will give their lives to Christ uh, under the Bridge Ministries Uh, next weekend because next weekend is about get them here and let's present the gospel so they'll have a fresh start new life for easter so you with me we're going to get them here we're going to fill this house up and all of our locations we're going to present the gospel and 50 people are coming to christ can we give one more hand clap of affirmation of that one (laughs) amen so in the time we have today I, I, i i've been challenged to say jim can you get it all in i don't know let's try i want us to walk a mile in jesus shoes I want us to just kind of go back in our minds uh, to, to the Gospels Those of you that perhaps don't know the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, kind of harmonize with each other. They are the description of Jesus' time here on earth from each of those four disciples' perspective. They tell the same story uh, several different times from different perspectives. And so we're going to look at the Gospels this morning and we're going to get a handle on those things that Jesus did during his last week on earth. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to summarize the day And then we're going to ask what we, well, what will, easy for you to say, what are we going to do this week on that day to honor what Jesus did on that day back then? Does that make sense? So our holy week, our passion week, our week leading up to Easter will be powerful as we prepare our hearts. So we're gonna summarize the Lord's activities day by day. We're gonna accept a daily assignment. You may wanna take notes. There's a thing in your, in your seat backs where you can take notes. You can go online to the Bridge app and get the notes for today, all of the outlines, all of the scripture, save it to your journal and take your notes. We've got some assignments today, let's get into it. And then we're gonna close our time this morning by approaching the Lord's table in communion. Let me say quickly, you need not be a member or an owner here at the bridge to join us because it's not our table. It is the Lord's table and it is the Lord that invites you to join. And so as we come to the close of our service this morning, we're going to approach the Lord's table in communion today. And then we're going to go out of here prepared for Resurrection Sunday. You with me? Let's get into it. Here we go. Uh, That said, I want you to kind of Go in your imagination, 1985 years ago, it's Sunday morning, but it's not Sunday morning 2018, it's Sunday morning AD 33. You with me? Do your heads like this, you with me? You walking with me? Turn the camera on in your mind. Jesus wakes up at the home of his friends, Lazarus, Mary, and Martha. Just a few days ago, Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. And now he's hanging out with his friends. It's a wonderful miracle, but understand, it is a miracle that rocked the region. Pick up the story with me in John chapter 11, verses 53 and 54. It's on the screens. You can get it on the Bridge app, but let's read it together. I like the way the message paraphrases it. Here we go. From that day on, they plotted to what? To to worship him, right? He raises the dead. Let's worship him, right? No, they plotted to kill him. So Jesus no longer went out in public among the Jews. He withdrew into the country, bordering the desert to a town called Ephraim and secluded himself there with his disciples. We don't know a lot about what Jesus did during those days Uh, between the resurrection of Lazarus and what we now know as Passover week, but we do know that when Passover week came, it was time. That is, for those of you that don't know, one of the highest days in Jewish life. Every Jew who was anybody came from the known world to Jerusalem to celebrate the Passover. It's a week of festivities and activities, but more importantly, it's time. But at this point, Jesus has been saying to his disciples, don't tell anybody who I am. It's not time, but now it's time for him to be revealed. So on Sunday morning, AD 33, Jesus rises from the home of his friends and comes into Jerusalem, and you can almost feel the tension in the air. The crowds are prepared to praise him. They're they're prepared, as Pastor Jared told us this morning, to cry out to him, save us from the tyranny of Rome. The crowds are ready to honor him and to recognize that he is Messiah that the Jews have been praying for for centuries. At the same time, the religious leaders of the day are threatened by his popularity and they're plotting to get rid of him. And Jesus is ready now to be publicly recognized for who he is. So we're going to call Sunday Sunday a day of worship. We're going to call Sunday a day of worship. Pick it up in Mark 11, 8 and 9. Many people spread their cloaks on the road, while others spread branches they had cut in the fields. Those who went ahead and those who followed shouted, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. So Jesus week's starting out pretty good, wouldn't you say? I mean, the crowds have heard his teachings, they've seen his miracles, they've been following his popularity, has reached a crescendo, and now they've gathered to praise him, give him the honor that he is due. It's kind of a first century version of a red carpet kind of day, Uh, and and, and that's exactly what happens. But now, flash forward with me to the present, I think it's awesome, I, I think it's incredible that... 2,000 years later, millions of people gather on Sunday mornings to do what they did on that Sunday morning. Don't you? You agree with that? I think it's awesome that all over the world, people are doing that by the millions and millions. But you know what amazes me? When I think about this scene, what amazes me is when I hear people, and I hear it way too often, I hear people say, wow, I really got a lot out of worship today. Or they say, you know, I really just wasn't into worship today. When I hear that stuff, I find myself wondering, how did we get here? How in these 2,000 years have we made that transition to where worship is not about Hosanna to the King, it's about me? How, How did we get from there to where we are? It's about the King of Kings coming into our presence and giving me the honor i mean these guys these jews knew that because they were trained in the Psalms. psalm 71 verse 8 my mouth is filled with your praise declaring your spender all day long psalm 134 1 and 2 praise the lord all ye servants of the lord lift up your hands in the sanctuary and praise the lord well i don't lift my hands in church people will think i'm asking can i be excused to the bathroom i'm not going to do that well i don't know that's what the bible says I know, Pastor Jim, but I just, I just didn't feel like it today. We are not called to fill our mouths with praise in the sanctuary with lifted hands when we feel like it. That's not what it says. Can I just be real honest with you? You guys are learning me well enough to know that I'm going to. Uh, I wonder sometimes when God looks at our worship, if, if he says, that's all you got, I mean, I saw a lot more energy at the game the other day. Uh, Can you put something in it? Can you put a little energy into that thing? I mean, just, I got to wonder sometimes what God thinks. Because hear me, guys, we're not just called to fill our mouths with praise and to lift our hands in the sanctuary. Psalm 72, 19, praise be to his glorious name forever. May the, what? The whole earth be filled with his. Glory. Here's my question. i got to move on. But what are the odds that the whole earth will be filled with the praises of God if we don't even exert enough effort to fill our mouths and our sanctuaries with it? It's time for us to come back to what worship is really all about. So your assignment for today is make today a day of praise. I'm going to ask you during the course of the day, and I know there'll be a lot of things going on in your day. I'm sure you've got plans for the day. I do too. But I'm going to ask you today to not ask him for anything. If you can avoid it, don't ask him to do anything, heal anything, fix anything, give you anything. Let's just make today a day of thanksgiving. Can we do that? Let's try to to pull today out and fill our mouths with thanksgiving for what he's already done because, quite frankly, given what he did on Calvary, what else does he need to do to be worthy of our praise? Today is a day of worship. So, Sunday evening, after that big moment, Jesus returns to the home of Lazarus, Mary, and Martha for the night. Monday morning comes, and it's time to draw the line in the sand. So, we're going to call Monday, a day of establishing authority. Monday is a day of establishing authority. Mark chapter 11, verse 15. On reaching Jerusalem, Jesus entered the temple courts and began driving out those who were buying and selling there. He overturned the tables of the money changers and the benches of those selling doves. Let's pause for a moment before we continue reading the passage to be clear about something for some of you. That, uh, some say that means you should never sell anything in church. But that's not what's happening here. You need to understand that's not what this is all about. The reality is that these guys were selling animals that were needed for the sacrifices that the Jews came from all over the known world to make. They couldn't bring those animals with them across country. And so they came to buy these animals, this perfect lamb, this perfect dove, this perfect pigeon in order to make sacrifice unto our God. They sold things before this day and they sold things after this day. And as long as they were providing a valid service to the people, it was fine. Selling wasn't the problem. Read on in the passage, verse 17. Jesus said, is it not written, my house will be called a house of prayer for all nations, but you have made it a, a what? A den of salesmen. That's what nobody said. A den of robbers. You see the problem? The problem is not that they were selling. The problem is that they were gouging. The problem is that they had turned this service into an opportunity to personally profit they'd taken advantage of the monopoly in order to make money and so the goal was for them was profit and Jesus said that's not what this is all about but even that's not the main point of the passage Jesus purpose wasn't to address this one issue or to set him set him right on this one issue what's his purpose read the scriptures read the passage carefully. What did he say? He said, my house will be called a house of prayer. Whose house? His house. And you have made it a den of robbers. He's establishing his authority. This is the first time he's ever come into the temple and said, this is my house and you will obey my rules. You'll do it my way because it's my house. And so he's established himself, not just as Messiah who's come to save the people, but now he's establishing himself as the Lord of the house. He said, it's about me, and you've made it about you. So your assignment for tomorrow, for Monday, is I want you to sincerely spend some time from the beginning of the morning asking yourself, Lord, is there any area of my life That I've not made you Lord over is there any area of my life where I'm still holding on to authority God I'll trust you with this and this and this but I'm going to hold on to this for myself is there any area of your life where Satan is still influencing your thoughts and if you're honest you know that is there an area where he's manipulating circumstances and you're letting him divert your attention to those circumstances there's an area where Satan is stirring up conflict in your relationships and instead of handling that conflict God's way, you're letting Satan influence how you handle them? Is there an area of your life where Jesus is not Lord? What am I saying? Just as Jesus took authority over his house that day, tomorrow, all day, I want you to invite him to take authority over your house all day long. Jesus, I want you to be Lord in this area of my life. And every time something comes along and you go, man, I just, I got a choice. I got a crossroads. I got to decide how I'm going to do this. Jesus, I want you to be in charge. I want you to be authority over my life. We're praying, quite frankly, the way Jesus taught us to pray. Our Father who art in heaven, holy is your name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. How's it done in heaven? Perfectly, because the angels don't have freedom of choice. So we're saying, God, I want that to be done in my life. I want my choices to honor you as well. You're putting your foot down and you're saying, Satan, you have no authority in my life and I will not give you any. In fact, I'm just going to, right now, right? You you can stand up if you want to, but you can do it right in your chair. I want you to just take your foot, pick it up. Come on, balance yourself. Hold on and stomp it. Satan, you got no authority in my life. Come on, say it with me. Satan, you got no authority in my life. We just put our foot down and say, we are done with letting him manipulate us. We're done with letting him control circumstances and get our attention. We're done with that junk. Jesus is Lord over our lives. He's Lord over our family. He's Lord over our finances. He's Lord over our health. He's Lord over our sense of self-worth. Satan, I ain't listening to you no more. You're a liar and a loser, an accuser of the brothers, and I am not yours. I am Jesus' I belong to him. And all day Monday, having worshiped all day Sunday and praised him all day Monday, I want you to establish that he is Lord in your life. You with me? This is going to make for a powerful week if you'll do these things. Let's go back to first century. Jesus is ridden into Jerusalem on the back of a donkey, right? He's been worshiped by the crowds. He's taken authority over his house, the temple, how do you think the religious leaders of the day are feeling about now? How do you think they're reacting right now? As you might expect, Tuesday is a day of challenges. No sooner than he got into Jerusalem on Tuesday morning, he walked into the temple and they went after him. Mark chapter 11, verse 28b Who gave you the authority? to do this. I can almost hear him looking at him, and the, the look on their face was, who do ye think you are? Right? In fact, read, uh, read all of chapters 11 and 12 of Mark, and you'll see that every leadership group in the city, every religious leadership group in the city came after him with their pet issue. The Sanhedrin was the governing body, the ruling body of the day. And so they ask him, who gave you the authority to act? I mean, who were they worried about, the people? No, they're worried about themselves. Because if Jesus is actually the final authority, then what happens to their control over the people? It goes away, Right. The Pharisees, who were the legalists of the day, asked questions like Should we pay taxes to Caesar? In other words, are you keeping all the rules? We got the rules down. Are you keeping them all? Who are they worried about? The people? No, they're worried about themselves because their hold on the people was you've got to keep all these rules and you've got to keep them perfectly. They used to walk through the streets with their phylacteries on their foreheads that had the rules in their forehead and they walked around saying, hey, everybody look at me because I'm keeping all the rules perfectly. And that was their control over the people. So if Jesus doesn't have to keep all the rules, then what happens to their power? It goes away. The Sadducees were the theologians of the day, and their pet theology was this idea that there was no resurrection, so they challenged him in the area of resurrection. Why did they do that? Because if Jesus' theology is different from theirs, and he's more popular than they are, then they've lost control over the people. Are you tracking what's going on? Then the lawyers got involved. The lawyers came in and said, whoa, whoa, Jesus is answering all of these questions without any problem at all, so we've got to come up with one that will trick him. You know, we got the Ten Commandments, we've written 800 pages to summarize the Ten Commandments, and we all work hard to keep all those things, so let's just just trap him. And so they came up with this question, which law is the best one, they asked. Jesus didn't miss a beat. He said, Mark 12, 30 and 31, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength, and love your neighbors yourself. There's no commandment greater than these now understand something this is important for our assignment okay understand something yesterday Jesus established his authority and so when he's uh, confronted with these questions he's not being defensive there's nothing to be defensive about he's in his place of authority he has the right to take that place of authority he's just answering their questions in fact, he doesn't get defensive at any point in this whole exchange, but he does go on the offense. He warns the crowd in Mark 12, 38 to 40. Beware of the teachers of religion For they love to wear robes of the rich and scholarly and to have everyone bow to them as they walk through the markets. They love to sit in the best seats in the synagogues and at places of honor at banquets. But they shamelessly cheat widows out of their homes and then to cover up the kind of men they really are. They pretend to be pious by praying long prayers in public. Because of this, their punishment will be greater. Come on, Jesus, tell me what you really think about these guys. But it gets gooder, cause, cause it, it really does. Because after saying that to the crowd about these guys, he turns his back on the leaders and starts calling them hypocrites and blind guides. He says that all you are is mausoleums painted white on the outside and full of dead men's bones on the inside. Come on, Jesus, you got this. I mean, can you feel the tension rising in the city? Can you feel the, 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 the sides being lined up, the people deciding which side they're going to be on? You can almost feel the buzz in the town. If you think about it, the gauntlet's been dropped, the line in the sand's been drawn, the time has come. The afternoon of Tuesday draws to a close with those religious leaders going off to plan their next move. And Jesus goes back to the home of Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. For dinner. But the challenges aren't over. While Martha's fixing dinner, Mary comes out and anoints Jesus' feet with an expensive perfume, and Judas complains about the waste. The the, the challenges are coming from his own people now. But again, Jesus doesn't get defensive, and he doesn't hesitate. Look at John 12, 7. Jesus said, what did he say? leave her alone. She did it in preparation for my burial. So get the scene. The challenges has come from the outside, and now it's come from the inside. Jesus knows it's time to draw the line in the sand and establish himself, and so he does, and Judas, stinging from the rebuke, runs out and begins the negotiations with the religious leaders that ultimately leads to Jesus' betrayal. You got the scene? You got the moment. Sunday's assignment is fill your day with praise today. Monday's assignment is take authority over Satan, declare that Jesus is Lord in your life. Tuesday's assignment is be strong in the face of opposition. Don't be surprised if after you worship and you establish Jesus as Lord that Satan will try to divert your attention. And he often will try to do that by stirring up some people that are close to you. It might be co-workers, it might be neighbors, it might be your own family members, I don't know. But don't be surprised if you get challenged on what you believe and why you believe it uh, when you establish that Jesus is in fact the Messiah and he is the Lord of my life. Take a page, if that happens, take a page from Jesus' life. Don't get defensive. There's there's no reason to get defensive. There's no reason to counterattack. There's no reason because your identity is in Christ. Just remember that. In fact, Paul said when that happens, 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have with gentleness and respect. And even if they continue to give you a hard time after you give them the answers, remember Matthew 5, 10, Jesus said, you're blessed when your commitment to God provo- provokes persecution. The persecution drives you even deeper into God's kingdom. So the rest of Tuesday is given to instructions. Jesus has gone back to Mary, Martha, and Lazarus' house. He's dealt with that final challenge from Judas. And then if you read Matthew 23, 24, 25, you'll see a host of parables that Jesus taught to his followers that night. It's like he's He's, he's saying, okay, guys, the time is here. I've got to make sure you know some things before I go, including the teachings about I'm going but I'm coming back and you need to watch for the signs that I'm coming back. I'm not going to leave you orphans. I'm going to send the Holy Spirit to be with you while I'm gone. I mean, he's teaching them. He's preparing them. So we're going to call Wednesday a day of preparation. We don't know a great deal about what happened on Wednesday. It's it's assumed by most scholars that that he started those teachings on Tuesday night, that he spent Wednesday with his disciples and close followers and perhaps some of those teachings that we have uh, came out of Wednesday, but we know that ultimately it was a day of preparation. So your assignment on Wednesday is to fast and pray. I'm gonna ask you on Wednesday to fast at least one meal or to pick one thing and set aside some time and pray Uh, Prepare your heart for a powerful Resurrection Sunday. Prepare your heart for what God wants to do in your life and in your family in the days ahead. I want you to pray with me that resurrection power will be released across this ministry and across churches in the region uh, for hurting people, for uh, people to find help and hope and forgiveness and a fresh start. I want you to pray that God will give you favor when you invite your unsaved friends to Easter services and that that the churches across this land that honor Jesus and his word will be filled to the brim next Sunday morning and that the gospel would go forth in clear ways. So what's your assignment on Sunday? Are you writing these things down? Are you memorizing them? What's your assignment on Sunday? (coughs) It's worship. Make this a day of praise and thanksgiving. Your assignment on Monday is Take authority. Make Jesus Lord. Ask Him to show you any area of your life that's not lining up with Him as having authority in your life and and turn it over to Him. Your assignment Tuesday is be strong in the face of opposition. If, If somebody comes against your faith, they don't understand your faith, just be ready to give them an answer for your hope. And if even then they push back, just remember you're blessed when you're persecuted for Jesus' sake. And then Wednesday, your assignment is to fast and pray. Let's pray that God will be honored in this Easter season in this region and around the world. Thursday, Thursday, we're going to call a day of service. The day has come now in this Passover week of activities for what's called the Seder. The Jews have been celebrating the Seder for centuries. The musicians are making their way out. You see these people leaving. I didn't just offend them. They're making their way back because we're going to go back into worship in a moment and do communion together, but Jesus has gathered his disciples now, and they're having what we like to refer to as the Last Supper. It was the Seder, and the Seder has been something the Jews have been celebrated for centuries. Jews still do to this day, and it's got elements in it that remind them of of being set free from Egyptian slavery way, way back when, 1500 BC, and so they celebrate those elements, and they celebrate the deliverance of God. Now, Jesus has gathered his disciples together. So pick up. Pick up the the story in Luke's version in chapter 22, verse 15. And he said to them, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. Understand, he'd eaten the Seder with them three or four times already. But he said, I've been looking forward to eating this one with you. This is a special one. And he took bread and gave thanks and broke it and gave it to them saying, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Entirely new meaning to the bread. Up to this point, it pointed them back to the day when God delivered them from Egypt. And now Jesus is saying, when you hold this bread, remember that it's my body that's about to be broken for you. In the same way, after the supper, he took the cup saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, a whole new relationship, a whole new way of relating that's being poured out for you. Again, symbolism for the Jews for centuries related to Egypt, but now it's symbolism to the coming of Christ and the establishment of the once and for all sacrifice that he is. Can Can you imagine what a powerful moment that was? Can you just picture... If you were sitting at that table with these men that you've been traveling with for the last three, three and a half years, and you've built this deep bond and you've gone through all kinds of things, you've seen God's miracles and you've seen Jesus, heard Jesus' teachings, and you've seen the opposition and you've seen it all, and now Jesus is saying to you, This is my body that's broken for you, and this is my blood that is shed for you. Can you imagine? how they must be feeling. they just seen the showdown at the temple and they know that the people are recognizing that he is Messiah. He's rebuked Judas and he's rushed off now, storming off, plotting. Just imagine that moment. What, 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 what do you think his disciples are doing in that moment? What do you think they're thinking in that moment? Put yourself in their shoes. What, what might you be thinking in that moment? What might you be doing in that moment? It may surprise you to find out what they were doing. Luke chapter 22, verse 24, the apostles began to argue about which one of them was the most important. Are you kidding me? His own disciples are making it about them in that moment that Jesus just said, I'm going to die for you? He spent the last day and a half preparing them for this moment. And now they're fighting over who gets to be first. Can I be honest with you? Uh, when I read Jesus' response to their question, it just reminds me I've got a long way to go to be like Jesus. I've got a long way to go. Because his response blows me away every time. Pick up the story in John's version, John 13, 3. Jesus knew that the Father had given him power over everything. So in this moment, Jesus has just told them what's happening. They are fighting over who gets to be first. And Jesus knows, i got the power to do whatever I want to do. Can I tell you what I would have done? I'd have said, God, nuke them. Let me get some new disciples. (laughs) Anybody with me? It's not what Jesus did. Instead, he wraps a towel around his waist and he washes their feet and teaches them a lesson in humility in the process. Get in the moment. John 13, when he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and sat down again. He asked, do you understand what I've just done for you? You call me teacher and Lord and you're right because that's what I am. And if I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you should also wash each other's feet. I did this as an example so that you should do as I have done for you. In other words, he's saying, You're right. I have the most authority in the room, the most authority in the world. And what did he do with that authority? He served them. He didn't say, Hey, whoa, guys, I'm first. Not you, me. He served them. So i got to ask, before we approach the Lord's table in communion, uh, what do you do when you find yourself the most powerful person in the room? What do you do when you're in the room with a group of people and you're the boss? What do you do when you're the parent at home and your kids are acting out selfishly? What do you do when you're a leader at church and the volunteers don't show up again? What do you do? What do you do when you're the hall monitor at school and the kids are acting like children like kids what do you do when you encounter a homeless person on the street i can tell you what jesus did he served he served and if your identity is really in christ you will too. So your assignment for Thursday this week, our assignment for Thursday this week is I'm going to ask you to serve outside your comfort zone. Serve somebody you don't have to serve. Serve somebody that has no right to expect to be served by you. Serve. Stretch your comfort zone. In fact, we that's why we gave you the just because cards and Easter invite kind of stuff. There's packets out there. You can get more of those. If you ran out already on Thursday, we're going to blitz this community with kindness, and we're just going to say, I'm serving you just because. Just because that's who I am. Just because that's who Jesus is. I don't want anything back from you. I'm not trying to get a response. If you come to our Easter services, we'll treat you warmly. We'll welcome you. But here, I just want to bless you. There's even suggestions on how to do that. Later that evening, Jesus gives his farewell message. John 14, he said, don't be troubled, I'm going. I'm going to prepare a place for you, but I'm not going to leave you alone. I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. And then he goes to Gethsemane where he prays. Father, let this cup pass from me. He understood how painful it was going to be. He understood what was before him. He knew that he would be In a series of illegal trials, he knew that he would be scorned and beaten, tortured to near death. He knew that he would die the most painful death known to man at the time. More importantly, he knew he was about to take on the penalty of every sin that had ever been or ever will be committed, every gossip, every lie, every murder, every rape, past, present, and future. He was about to take it on himself. No way that was easy, but he made the servant choice. He made the servant choice. I can almost imagine Jesus in Gethsemane saying, is there any other way that Jim can have his sins forgiven? Knowing that the answer was if If there's any justice, if there's any fairness, if there's any holiness, somebody did the crime, somebody's got to do the time. And Jesus said, I'll do it. I'll pay it. I will pay the price. That's the setting. That's the moment that Judas kissed him on the cheek and a kiss of betrayal. So Friday for us is a day of commitment. It's a day of commitment. It's a day to remember that whether we feel like it or not, whether they deserve it or not, we've been called to be like Him and to serve. John three sixteen For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son that whoever believes in Him will not perish but have everlasting life. Would you get the communion elements in your hand? Pastor Jared and the team are going to lead us in song and as we do I'm going to ask you to reflect on these elements let them speak into you and then I'll come back and I'll lead us in taking these elements together
1: Praises to your name, praises to your name, a name that's so much higher than all names. Be lifted up, be lifted higher. Be lifted up, be lifted higher. Let's stand and sing that together. I sing praises to Your name. Praises.
0: Would you peel that wafer back and get it in your hands? Hold that wafer up and let it be a reminder of Jesus' body that was broken for you. Would you break it and picture the body of Jesus Christ that was broken on your behalf? Let it be a reminder of what he's done for you. I'll say again. Given what he did for us on Calvary, what else does he need to do to be worshipped? The answer is nothing. Would you receive the wafer together? Then would you peel that next layer back and expose the juice, take it into your senses, smell it. Let it be a reminder of who Jesus is, what he's done, the power that's available to you. Father, thank you for loving this world, for loving me so much that you sent your son Jesus to pay the price for my sin. He didn't have any sin. He didn't pay for his. He paid for mine. He paid for ours. And Because of his body that was broken, because of his blood that was shed, we get a fresh start. We get a new beginning. And I thank you for the way that's being played out in all of our lives. I pray blessing over these elements. And over each of us as we receive them now, in Jesus' name, let's drink together. Thank
1: you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Let's we'll sing that chorus again together. Be lifted. Yeah.
0: Jesus, for who you are. There's one more day in the week we can't neglect. That's Resurrection Sunday. We call it a day of new beginnings. Ephesians 1:19, I pray that you will begin to understand how incredibly great his power is to help those who believe him. It is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand in heaven far far above any other king or ruler or leader and God has put all things under his feet and made him the supreme head of the church which is his body filled with himself the author and giver of everything everywhere that same power is yours today church Father, thank you that we can lift your name up. And you said when we do, all men will be drawn to you. So as we go from this place today, Lord, let us go. Empowered by these assignments and reminded of your power that's with us. Give us favor as we bring people together tomorrow, our next Sunday morning, for the purpose of presenting the gospel simply. Holy Spirit, do your work this week and next Sunday, in Jesus' name, and all God's people said, amen, amen. God bless you. Thanks for coming. The altars are open. If you need to pray with somebody today, take advantage of that opportunity. If you've given your life to Jesus, we want to know. Text to me, 55498, New Life. We want to pray for you. God bless you guys. Have a great week.